Hello, good morning, Castleton Community Church. Today's scripture reading will come to us from the book of 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 through 17. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 through 17. <clears throat> but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. Because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. To this he called you through our gospel so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by spoken word or by letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. This is the word of the Lord. Let us open in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the new morning mercies that you've given us today. We are glad to, to see familiar and unfamiliar faces this morning. And Lord, we just ask simply that we would hear your word and we, we would be encouraged. That the gospel would come and it would remind your people yet once again of the amazing work of what you have done. We thank you that we get to hear your word and we're thankful, God, that uh, Pastor Tommy will be able to join us again next Sunday. We, we thank you that you've kept him safe and his family. And we, we long for the day when everyone will be able to join together and we will all be able to have fellowship again. We ask this, Lord, that you bless our time. In your name we pray, amen. Well, I will say one of the things that has been so interesting in 2020 and 2021 um, is getting to know my little brother, Jimmy. With getting to know him, there have come a lot of TV shows that I quite normally would not watch by myself. Some of these shows that have graced our, t our television have been shows such as PJ Mask or Paw Patrol. But unfortunately, one of my favorites that I loved as a kid, Winnie the Pooh, has not yet made the scene. So I thought, what better thing for us to open up God's word than a description of the lovely and infamous Piglet himself. We see the description of Piglet as this. Pooh's best friend thinks he's the fearful sort. But in truth... There's not another creature in the Hundred Acre Woods so courageous as Piglet. As long as Pooh is at his side, Piglet can work up the nerve to face anything. And I love that description because here's Piglet, like so many of us, like so many of us believers, we are fearful that outside of the Lord, there's really nothing home to write about us. We're not wise in ourselves. But yet it is by standing by God himself and all what God has done that gives us this confidence that we believe that we can actually face anything. And so as we work our way through 2 Thessalonians today, we will see this truth, which is that the gospel gives us hope for today and every day to come. We will see this in our verses through our first point, which is that Christian hope is found at the cross. Secondly, we will see that Christian hope is a call to stand firm. And third, we will see that Christian hope gives us hope for the future. 
Our first point, Christian hope is found at the cross. So last week, if you were with us, Tommy spoke to us about 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 12, and he walked us through this passage, and we saw that, in fact, many are going to be deceived by this man of lawlessness. Now, uh, one of the things that Tommy mentioned is that throughout church history, people have tried to see, who is this man? Well, who is he? He showed that it was during the time of the Reformation that the Catholic Church thought that Martin Luther, in fact, was the Antichrist. And then, in fact, Luther himself thought that the Pope was the Antichrist. And so we saw that trying to figure out who this Antichrist figure is is not really all that profitable. And Tommy said, if you want to know who the Antichrist is, it's simple. When Jesus comes back and kill him, that's how you'll know. So, so let us understand here what the Apostle Paul is doing. We don't know how, but for whatever reason, whether it was, it was by a letter or, or through a teacher, there had come this um, understanding that the day of the Lord had come and that somehow God had already come back. And you can imagine being in Thessalonica, thinking, what? Like the day of the Lord has already come? And so what does Paul do? Paul says, no, no, no. The day of the Lord hasn't come. And before it comes, a a couple things must happen. And so Paul starts off, like most of us do, with the bad news. He tells us that before the day of the Lord comes, there's going to be this falling away. There's going to be this deception. People who, who are holding on to the faith are going to turn away. This is the bad news. But we pick up in verse 13, and Paul says, yes, though many, in fact, will be deceived in that last and final day, that God's people as a whole will not. So we don't have to worry about this man of lawlessness. We don't need to worry about the Antichrist. We don't need to worry about the end of the world because in God saving us, he has provided us that we will be protected, that God will in fact protect us, his people. And so what does Paul do to a people who are shaken like many of us are today? What does Paul do to encourage their hearts? What does he do to give them any hope that they won't be deceived? Paul opens us up and he says these words. He says, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. This word beloved in the Greek, it's interesting. It's in the perfect tense. And and what's interesting about that is that the perfect tense denotes something that happens in the past, but that has continuing results. So what is amazing is that Paul is saying, listen, Thessalonians and God's people, you are not a people that God just liked one day and then now was putting up with you. He's saying that you are now continually, as you're breathing in your seats, God loves you now just as you are. What an amazing truth that is. I think if we're honest today, that may be the hardest truth that God in my sinfulness, in my weakness, actually loves me. And the Apostle Paul tells them that you are beloved by the Lord. You know, as the temperature is now going to increase outside, we are going to get these little things in our yards called dandelions. And it's interesting because we see these dandelions. You don't think about dandelions. You don't look at them. But if you were to take a dandelion, I, I, I um, encourage you to do this this summer. Take a dandelion and take a magnifying glass and just look at it. And you see the intricacies. You see the petals. 
and you look and you say, wow, this ordinary thing is quite magnificent. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. In verse 13 and 14, Paul's taking this thing of salvation that we all say, we know it, we know it, we know it. But yet what the apostle Paul is doing is he wants to zero in and look to see what is this thing that God has done in Christ Jesus. Paul first, as he tries to encourage the Thessalonians, first shows us that this whole plan of redemption is something that's been accomplished by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. He shows here first that the Father, he says what in verses 13 and 14? He says that the Father has chosen them and he's called them. And something we need to understand, church, is that when God calls us to himself, he doesn't cross his fingers and really, really hope that he can save you. No, in fact, this choosing and this calling that Paul talks about in places such as Romans 8, 28 through 30 and Ephesians 1, this choosing is something that God did even before the foundations of the world. God didn't begin to love you. There was never not a time where God did not delight in his people. God has not tried his best to save us, but yet he has actually done it. Isn't this good news? One commentator said that the way the author speaks of God saving us is unique. He says it's best understood as to take for or to oneself. Brothers and sisters, when you think of this salvation that God has done, do you think that God has literally called you into fellowship with him? That you belong to him, that you once did not belong, but now you are a child, now you are an heir, now you are under the protection of God, and he has a plan that he will, in fact, keep you to the end. Isn't this good news? He not only says that God the Father has to do with our salvation, but he says in verse 14 that also God the Holy Spirit. He says in verse 14, he says, we were saved through sanctification by the Holy Spirit and belief in the truth. And so you may be wondering, what does the Holy Spirit have to do with our salvation? It is the role of the Holy Spirit to day by day, minute by minute, breath by breath, to conform us into the image and likeness of Christ. How amazing is it that Paul first started the book of 2 Thessalonians 2 and he says, there's going to be this falling away. People aren't going to hold on to the truth and people are going to be lost. But yet what does our verse 14 tell us right here in the very text? It tells us that God the Holy Spirit has saved us for belief in the truth. So you may be wondering, sitting in, these, sitting in your seats, wondering, what hope and assurance do I have that I can actually trust God? It is literally the role of the Spirit to keep you, to, to keep you believing in the truth. How amazing is this that God has given us His Spirit so that we won't fall away into deception. And Paul then finishes and he, and he speaks of this gospel, and now we see that The Father has called us to himself. The Holy Spirit has made us alive. He applies the redemption. And now it is Jesus himself who accomplishes our salvation by his death and resurrection. It is in Christ that you remember when 
Peter said, Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. That Jesus says, unless I wash you, you have no part of me. So now here is Jesus of Nazareth coming on yours and mine behalf, actually dying the death that you and me deserved, taking the wrath of God upon himself so that you and me would not have to bear the penalty of our sin. It is then when we look at Christ and we actually believe with faith that all the righteousness that we would ever need is now given to us, not because we deserved it, not because we were good, not because we were wise, but because it was God's delight to do this. Paul shows that this salvation ends with the glorification of our bodies in verse 14 and shows us that our future days Look to a time where we will always be with the Lord. This is why Paul says we ought to always give thanks. Lord, help us that we would not look at salvation as I've been there, I've done that, see that. No, this is something that Paul says we should always every day be waking up and saying, God, you saved a sinner like me. Brothers and sisters, do you remember where you were when God got a hold of your heart? Where, where you were walking one day and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit made you alive and, and you felt, oh my goodness, this man named Jesus is actually real and he's actually come on my behalf and he actually loves me not because of anything I've done but yet in spite of what I've done and he's loved me even with all of my sins, even with all the ways that I would fail him, that he loves me just as I am and now he's going to adopt me. Brothers and sisters, do you remember what that day was like? And Paul is saying, this is why we should always give thanks. Because look at the work of God. And perhaps you're sitting in your seats today. And you're saying, I don't know him. I don't have a hope. I, I don't know what's going to happen next week. And I've got this going on and I've got that. And I have no hope. And brothers and sisters, if you don't know him, I would invite you that today can be the day of salvation for your heart. Where you can literally be transferred from darkness over to the kingdom of his son. I invite you that if that is you today and you're wrestling with that. That perhaps you would talk to someone on our staff and you would just be able to go through this process of knowing what it is like to know our Savior. And so, brothers and sisters, if someone asks you today, how do you have hope? How do you have hope while we're wearing a mask on our face? How do you have hope where the world is different? How do you have hope? With the government, this is happening and that's happening. And oh my goodness, and overseas and all of this. Say, how do you actually have hope? Because everything is not as it once was. Brothers and sisters, for those of us who trust in the Lord, we can say, my hope is none other than what Paul said in Philippians 1.6. And that I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I'm not counting on the stock market I'm not counting on my job. I'm not counting on the government. My ground that I'm ultimately standing on has to do that God has promised. He will not only save me, but he'll keep me. That is the ground that helps us actually have hope in these days where nothing actually can stand.
So this is why, brothers and sisters, we don't have to fear the man of lawlessness. We don't need to be worried about what is going to come. We don't need to worry that the times are becoming more secular day by day, minute by minute. We don't have to worry, am I going to make it? We can trust none other than the fact that God says, I'm going to do it and I'm going to complete it. Paul now showing us what is our foundation. What is this thing called salvation? And what has God done? Now that he's laid this whole sense of the foundation for us, Paul takes us now into our second point in verse 15, which is that Christian hope is a call to stand firm. To stand firm means that you're actually convinced of something. So the the ground that I'm standing on, I'm not worrying that the stage is going to collapse. I actually trust in this. And so brothers and sisters, With a salvation that we have like this, stand firm in this. Children, when God makes a promise to you, he intends to keep it. So trust in this and know that God is for you today. Our students and our student ministry, remember that by believing in Jesus, you're secure right now. You're okay remember that God's not going to let you wander away. I know you're trying to get your ground and your bearings of what can you trust, social media, all of these things, and you're wondering what is your foundation? Stand firm that God has saved you. If you've called upon him, trust in the fact that you cannot be lost. Parents, stand firm in this. And the fact that God knows your prayers He hears you. He's for you. And so, parents, I would encourage you to continue to pray and to stand firm. Husbands and wives, in the amazingness of what God has done in bringing you together, know that your marriage literally depicts the gospel. So know that God is for you. What God has brought together, let no man separate. So know that even in the confines of the best days in your marriage and then in the days where you are pleading, Trust in the fact of what God has done and stand firm that God is for you. Singles, stand firm and know that in God sending his son shows that our greatest love story is not the fact that we ride away into the sunset and have 2.5 kids. That's great. We ask and we plead God that he would do that. But that's not our hope in this world. That's not the ultimate ground. Our ground is the fact that God has saved us, that he's looked upon us, and that he said that you are mine. And so I would say to our singles, let God bring to you and and let him accomplish what you ask, but know that our grounding of our salvation, that is the ground that we stand upon. All of us as believers, in light of our present and future days to come, are to continue to follow Christ and remember that God's saving me provides me with the ground for all of my days. I don't need to worry about CNN. I don't need to worry about what's going to happen. Because why? Because I can rest assuredly that my God is actually going to accomplish that which he started. And so Paul, after commending now the Thessalonians and us that don't worry when that day comes, I'm going to protect you. I literally have already accomplished this. Paul now takes it one step further and leads us into our third point, which is that Christian hope gives us hope for the future. 
And I think if, if we're honest right now, if we just take a break and just think about this, some of us are wondering, how do we stand firm? If we're honest that there are things going on in our lives right now that are robbing us from peace and we think, I can't even imagine what those future days are going to be like. And if we're honest, our hearts are anything but stable. It was this past November that I had and got the horrendous COVID, did not enjoy that and gave it to my sister twice, God bless her. And our mother as well, she got COVID too. And, and, and so what was, what was so hard about that is that it was in that time where she developed this thing called COVID pneumonia. And so, she, so it was at a place where she got around four liters of liquid in her lungs and was in and out of the hospital. And, and on top of that, to make matters even worse, she, she has this um, heart condition. Now, I'm not the nurse, so don't quote me, okay? But, but she has this, this thing called AFib, which is basically where your heart beats irregularly. So she literally could not make it from her bedroom to uh, her chair, which is five feet. She literally had to stop sweating, can't, can't, can't even make it. And yet I, I, I think about this. If her physical heart isn't doing well, then nothing in her, she can't do anything, she can't cook, she can't, she can't do anything. And so brothers and sisters, if our physical hearts aren't doing well, and that's important. How much more important is it that our spiritual hearts are okay? And so what Paul is doing in verses 16 through 17 is he wants the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us to comfort our very hearts, to encourage us with the fact that God will keep me. And so if you're sitting here, the whole goal is not that the message would just be right here, but that the message would somehow get into your heart and it would affect you personally. Paul is asking and praying and pleading that this would happen. What is this eternal comfort that Paul speaks about? It's none other than Christ crucified on yours and mine behalf. We see a passage like Isaiah 49, 16, which reads to us, Behold, I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. One pastor said about this verse, I cannot look at my hands without beholding thee in them. I carry thee engraved on my heart so that no forgetfulness can efface thee. In a word, I cannot forget thee without forgetting myself. This is our Savior. This is the hope that you and me have, that every day, this day, and for every day that is to come, that we are secure. That the gospel gives us hope for all that we go through, all of our Monday morning meetings, all of our fights, all of the, 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 the things that we go through, that it is this salvation that God has accomplished which helps our hearts not be so anxious in the ways that it's so naturally is. Paul closes and says that he does not only want this gospel to get into our hearts, but he even wants it to get into the way that we talk and in the way that we work. How many of us out of fear find ourselves shaken and alarmed because the truth that God has saved me, that the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me and keeping me, and that Jesus has bought 
me has not yet gotten into the recesses of our very own heart. Praise God for the knowledge that he saved us. But Paul is saying, I want that to get into your inner being of who you actually are. I want it to affect your speech. I want it to affect the way that you work. And I want it to affect the way that you interact with other human beings. Because you wake up every morning saying, my God is for me. My God loves me. And he showed it as he sent his son. So we end this sermon as we begin. That because... Piglet had poo, he could stand through anything. By Piglet being alone, he was fearful, but yet it was by the wondrous poo that he is that gave Piglet all the courage that he needed. Brothers and sisters, it's by the work of the cross that we have a hope, that we see this ordinary thing that we call salvation, let us be in awe of it. Let us wake up and say, God, regenerate my heart to understand what it is you have done. Help me to not just flip through the pages of this thing called the Bible and just say, God, save me, God, save me. But let God get it into me. Let it be common for me. Let it, re let it cause me to rejoice all of my days. Brothers and sisters, you are loved by the Lord, and there's no reason why we should be shaken, why we should be alarmed, because God has secured us. My memory isn't so good, but up until this point, I can't think of a time where God has failed. He may not have done it the way I wanted him to. He may not have established my plans. He may not have come on my timeline, but it is through the cross that we see God, you weaved everything together and you did this thing called salvation. We didn't understand it. No one saw it coming. And yet here it is, Jesus showing his love for his people. Let us rejoice in this. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this salvation. Thank you for the fact that you've given us a hope that lasts all of our current and future days. Forgive us, Lord, that the salvation that we have, it just at times to us becomes mundane and just another thing. But God, help us. Encourage our hearts. God, let the gospel knowledge of what you've done get past our heads and help it get to our hearts, Lord. Help us, Lord, in these trying times where, where many of the things that we've put our hope in are falling. And perhaps that is by um, your providence to help us to get rooted back in you, which does not fail. Father, let the cross always be a word of encouragement to us and let it point our eyes back to you, Lord, to remember that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Bless us now, Lord, as we finish in worship. We ask this, Lord, in your heavenly name we pray. Amen.